And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everyone? Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you all for listening to this live room episode. It's something we do every single week leading up to the game and where we take all of your questions right here on the Athletic app. So be sure, if you haven't joined us before, to type in your questions right into that little uh, that chat box right there, and uh, I will get to as many as we can leading up to my game prediction, and we'll chat for the next 40, 45 minutes or, or so, and things like that. And of course, the Bills head into this game with just a humongous matchup, and underscored by... Two pretty newsworthy off the field items, that w- that of which being uh, Von Miller's arrest during the bye week and the allegations of domestic violence, uh, and also the recent report by Tyler Dunn of Go Long that uh, about Sean McDermott and his leadership and uh, and the newsy part of it being a team meeting in 2019 where Sean McDermott referenced uh, 9-11 as part of uh, his communication to try and uh, get the team to come together, to which McDermott has apologized for back then in 2019. He addressed the team team meeting and everything along those lines and uh, addressed it again today with reporters. So um, a lot to get to, I'm sure, uh, including, you know, one of the uh, ongoing, really fun rivalries uh, on the field between the Bills and the Chiefs, with which has been kind of a, a back and forth thing over the last couple of years. Um, the Bills have gotten the better of the Chiefs the last two regular season games in Kansas City. And then, of course, we remember the uh, the playoff exit for the Bills, the divisional round exit in which the Bills offense looked like they did enough to win. And then, of course, 13 seconds happened and everything like that. So, um, yes, plenty on the docket here. So let's jump right into some questions. Zachary writes in, will Von Miller play? And I think that's that's a, a big question on the minds of, of a lot of people. Um, my anticipation based on the way things sounded today and how Sean McDermott referenced that it was going to be a purely football decision as to whether or not Von Miller would play. My anticipation is that Von Miller will be active on Sunday against the Chiefs. How many snaps will he get? I don't know. Um, Von Miller declined comment all week this week. Uh, he did not practice on on Wednesday. Uh, and then on Thursday, Thursday and Friday, both when when asked to speak, if he wanted to speak, uh, he declined to do so. But 
I do think that uh, that the Bills are kind of allowing the NFL to handle things here. And because of that, and because he has not been put on the commissioner's exempt list or, or anything along those lines, uh, my anticipation based on the way things were sounding today is that Von Miller will indeed play on Sunday against the Chiefs. So, you know, whether that's something you agree with or disagree with, I'm sure uh, there's a lot of different opinions on it, but um, that's that seems to be the way that it's trending. Um, let's see. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions uh, about the McDermott thing. Um, I'll say this about about the uh, about the Sean McDermott article, and I think this this is kind of the um, how I'll maybe go into it for uh, maybe not the rest of the podcast here, but just to put some thoughts on it. You know, I think Tyler Dunn is an incredibly skilled reporter who um, does a great job of of uh, you know, building connections and, you know, well-sourced and well-reported everything along those lines. And there was a lot of details in that article that um, certainly uh, did not make it seem like it was um, necessarily a conducive situation uh, for, for McDermott here. And, you know, with a lot of some some details surrounding the article that uh, that didn't exactly sit well upon upon reading it, and you could tell McDermott was obviously shaken by it, um, it, it when he was speaking with reporters on Friday. And I think a lot a lot of um, questions when that article came out was why did some of this stuff come out now, especially about the. Um, about the comments in the 2019 team meeting about 9-11. Why did it come out now? Well, you know, as years kind of go by and people leave the organization or are still there in the organization, eventually the um, the people in charge become the overall institution of what's going on within the franchise. And once things start to... Uh, once things and and time starts to go and you see all of this turnover in which a, a lot of which is natural within the NFL you know sometimes you are going to get some of this some of this stuff out there and I, you know that's not to say that McDermott is in the right or the wrong uh, or or anything like that I think it is a very fair game to question Sean McDermott's overall outlook as as it pertains to how they perform in big games i think it's fair to question you know them not making it to the super bowl to this point in time and certainly i think because that success isn't there there's going to be more of a, a critical eye on him so it's really there's there's a lot to wrap your head around with, within the article itself. And like I said, if, if you haven't read it, go read Tyler Dunn's story. Um, a lot went into it, knowing Tyler, and he uh, he certainly 
went through a lot of different sources to to get some of that stuff. But um, all I can tell you is that what's going on within the organization now is that there's they're kind of rallying around McDermott and not in the sense that, oh, they they read the article and and now there's this push to uh, prove everyone wrong. I think the the message that a lot of the people within the locker room shared today was that they believe in Sean McDermott as a leader. Uh, they believe him in as as their coach. You know, after that team meeting yesterday, uh, addressing the comments from 2019, Micah Hyde, uh, after after some silence, stepped up and said, Sean, we know who you are along those lines, and, and everyone in here agrees. Uh, so it, he has the support of the locker room. He has the support of his general manager. The, from from the way that Brandon Bean, Bean made it sound, in that, that Terry Pagula was um, fully aware of what was happening, you know, as soon as they first read about it yesterday. So it seems like everyone is on the same page here in terms of, you know, and there was some thought early on as to whether or not McDermott might get suspended or, you know, whether or not this might put his, his, um, his job status in jeopardy. I don't foresee that to be the case. Uh, my, my colleague, Tim Graham reported on uh, yesterday when, when Tyler's story came out that, you know, the, the nine 11 anecdote um, story was already known within the building. And so it, it doesn't really impact his job status moving forward. And that's basically the tale of the tape here with, from that perspective. So overall, I think um, McDermott, he he said, I, I asked him flat out what the last 24 hours have been for him. And, you know, he says your mind spins, spins a bit. And, you know, he's felt hurt, uh, disappointed, all of these different things. Um, I think there was some self-reflection going on in there. Uh, definitely a, um, a more candid Sean McDermott than what we normally get in news conferences, but that's going to happen whenever, uh, whenever something along these lines happens. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's one of those things where the bills have to take a, uh, a pretty hard look at themselves and their entire operation, no matter what happens throughout the rest of the season. But certainly, you know, I think, I think analyzing what the, the right steps are pivoting off this season, which, has just been full of pitfalls from one week to the next, really. And figuring out how they can make it so this underachieving season, because that is what it is. They are six and six. Doesn't matter how close their losses were. They are six and six. They are or heading into week 14 before that Steelers game. They were 11th in the AFC. And in need of some teams ahead of them losing because of their poor AFC record. So a full-scale look at, as to what they need to do and how they need to maybe maybe not change their operation, but um, 
tweak their operation moving forward, I think has to be a focal point for them, especially with some challenges with the salary cap and everything along those lines. So, uh, yeah, um, definitely a, a whirlwind of, of a 24 hours from, from a media perspective. And, and certainly if you haven't read Tyler's story and you, you would like to, or like to read it, I, I encourage you to head over and, and, and read his stuff because it is illuminating to say the least. All right. Um, Football question comes in from uh, Robert P., who writes in, Will Dawson Knox be activated and be dressed on Sunday? Do you foresee this taking away anything from Dalton Kincaid? I think there's two separate conversations with this, Robert. I think the first piece of the puzzle is what they're going to do in the short term, and then maybe what it looks like once... Once Dawson Knox is fully back and up to 100%. I am expecting Knox to be active this weekend. Um, that is, Sean McDermott said today that there would be a good chance as long as Knox got through practice well. Injury report came through. Knox is questionable, but went through the entire week with full practices I'm anticipating that that it's going to happen, and and my guess is he gets activated on Saturday by 4 p.m. to where the Bills have uh, what heading into the season was their starting tight end. Now, how does this impact the entire receiving core? Because you look at Dalton Kincaid, you look at Khalil Shakir, those are the two that have really stepped up since Dawson Knox had to go on injured reserve. My anticipation on the short term is that they're going to take it slow with Knox. And it's been a, a not a huge amount of time, but about a month and a half since Dawson Knox really got into the swing of things with, with an actual game and had went through that wrist surgery. I don't think they want to throw his full complement of snaps on him right away. And nor should they. For one. Physically, he may not be ready. For two, the entire scope has changed a bit here. Kincaid is a factor in the offense. He was, at times, a go-to for Josh Allen. And that shouldn't be shunned by the Bills moving forward just because Dawson Knox is now healthy enough to play, potentially. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I would anticipate that maybe Knox gets the start in finger quotes by 
meaning the the first snap of the game. But I would expect Kincaid to get, at least in this week, most of the tight end work. Maybe they work in a little bit more 12 personnel. My bigger question is how they're going to handle Khalil Shakir's workload, because I think that's the one that could see the biggest um, downturn in potential snaps because of Knox being back around. Shakir has certainly popped for some big plays, uh, some good yards after the catch. He has been made himself into a factor in this Bills offense, and that shouldn't be shunned either by, by the team. It really boils down to how they want to, how much they want to utilize 12 personnel and maybe what they value more out of Kincaid or Shakir. They like Dawson Knox a lot. And I know his season this year has not been the best, but he is a very good blocking tight end for for what they want to do and can help them in the run game, which I know elicits somewhat of an eye roll. But still, that's that's been a, a, a sizable component to their last two weeks when the offense has looked like they have turned it around a bit here. So he adds to that. He's an upgrade to Dalton Kincaid from that perspective. From a pass-catching perspective, this year has not been his year. There's been drops. Um, the statistics are really low. You might wonder if the wrist was impacting his overall output this season. And even if it wasn't, you would have to think that there's some positive regression coming Dawson Knox's way because this is not his his average season. And even if his average season is going to be a little bit lower than what it has been previously, because now Dalton Kincaid is is a factor in in on the team. It's still better than what is it, the 15 catches he had throughout the season. I think his single game high was three catches. So I would expect some positive regression from that standpoint. And just because Knox eats into Shakir's snaps, I do think there's an opportunity for them to kind of um, push all of their third receiver snaps that were early in the year divvied up between Shakir, Sherfield, and Deontay Hardy and mostly push them towards Shakir, even though the Bills might factor in 12 personnel a bit more than they have over the past, you know, four or five games here. So there is opportunity there. But I don't think that's going to be a huge issue this week because I, even if not, if Knox plays, which I myself am anticipating, I think he uh, will just be kind of a below 50% player and Kincaid and Shakir won't really see their role too dramatically changed. Kind of I kind of anticipate how much Quentin Morris played on offense last week. It was around like, I don't know. 24, 25 snaps. I think that's a good amount for Dawson Knox. Get his feet wet, get him back in the flow of things, and then they'll start to ramp him up in in, in um, oncoming weeks. All right. Uh, Jonathan writes in that he would love to see what Leonard Fournette offers the offense. And Leonard Fournette is just kind of this uh, concept off in the distance that I think might 
remain off in the distance if if I had to guess for this week. The Bills have seen a lot of good things on offense over these last two weeks. And that includes not only James Cook when they're not, you know, putting him on the sideline for one mistake. I mean, James Cook has ran well. Latavius Murray has showed well a couple weeks ago or two games ago, I should say. Less so against the Eagles. But also Ty Johnson has chimed in for some for some good work so far over the last two games on offense specifically. And Ty Johnson plays on special teams. So the trouble here is, who are you sitting? We know James Cook isn't going to sit. We know that they love Latavius Murray specifically on third downs where he is the best pass blocking running back of the bunch. And then Ty Ty Johnson has showed a spark and you also get him on special teams. So you have to sit one of those guys for Fournette to play and Fournette's not a special teams guy. I think the easiest one for one would be Latavius Murray, but again, they love Latavius Murray. So I'm somewhat skeptical that we see Leonard Fournette and we'll find out by four o'clock on Saturday as to whether or not they called up anyone. This is a fully healthy roster. And my projected inactives will be put out um, on Saturday morning with my game week notebook. But the one thing I'll say is I'm not projecting any practice squad elevations. The only thing I'm projecting is Dawson Knox being called up to the 53-man roster from injured reserve. So Fournette is a name. And Sean McDermott has mentioned in the past that it's something that they have seriously considered about getting him involved on offense, but the Bills offense has played pretty well the last couple of weeks. They played well enough to win against the Eagles, that's for sure. And I don't know that they necessarily want to mess with what is working from a personnel perspective. Like the Deontay Hardy for Andy Isabella thing, that was more special teams than it was offense because, you know, between the two of them over the last two weeks, it's last two games, it's been like, I don't know, some like five or six snaps total. So that's why that switch was made. But in terms of the core receiving options, the only big switch they'll make is Dawson Knox subbing in for Quentin Morris which they'll view as an upgrade from a run-blocking perspective. And then it's Diggs, Davis, Kincaid, Shakir, Knox, Cook, Murray, Johnson. Should they fall on some hard times here? Maybe next week or in a couple weeks. But my guess right now is that Fournette probably sits this week. All right, Brad writes in, what's the plan for guarding Travis Kelsey without Matt Milano? What's interesting to me is Travis Kelsey over his last five against the Bills has been outstanding. Um, He has averaged almost eight catches for over 110 yards and has had four total touchdowns in, in the last five games. He had three games that went over 100 yards, two of them 150 or more. So just some 
crazy stats from from a tight end. But as we know, Travis Kelsey is one of the best to ever do it. He's got Patrick Mahomes. They have a, a very unified improvisational sense to them, which is what makes them so difficult to defend. But what's interesting to me is that Milano actually did not play in two of those five games I just referenced. And in the two games he did not play, Kelsey statistically had his worst games of the five, which you would think the opposite is true because obviously Milano is just a humongous piece of the puzzle and what they're trying to do. But without Matt Milano back in the regular season in 2020, Travis Kelsey went for five catches and 65 yards. Two touchdowns, but only five catches for for 65 yards. Then when it happened again in 2021, regular season game, I'm saying no Milano, six catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. The Bills won that game. Now, with Milano, the uh, the Chiefs and, and Kelsey averaged well over 100 yards. His yardage totals were 172, 150, and 108. Now, I don't think there's a direct correlation between Milano playing and Kelsey going off, but it's at the very least worth pointing out. And I do wonder what they're going to do. They have a few options here, and we've seen some different strategies from them in the past. We've seen on obvious passing downs, they sub in Saran Neal for one of their players, usually a linebacker, and he because he's a kind of a bigger body, he comes in and, and plays Kelsey one-on-one. That has not always worked, and I'm not sure they want to go back to that, but he was kind of the best option that they had, or one of the better options that they had. They've also played it straight up with two linebackers, a nickel corner, and just try to defend, defend, defend that way. That's usually with Milano. But that didn't work because obviously Kelsey can wiggle free against even the best linebackers. As evidenced by the fact that he went for 172, 150, and 108 in three games that in the last, or three of the last five games that the Bills have played the Chiefs in which Milano was active. I do wonder if maybe this is an opportunity for them to go with their three safety look a bit more often than um, than they have in previous weeks. And I'm sure most are familiar at this point, but if you're not, basically what they do is on obvious passing downs or in late half, late game situations where they know the opponent's going to be passing the ball. The uh, the Bills will sub out Tyrell Dotson, who is a liability in coverage and has proven to be that way again this season. Solid run defender, not it in pass coverage. They sub him out, take Jordan Poyer from his safety spot, put him down to linebacker, sub in Taylor Rapp for Tyrell Dotson, use Rapp at safety, and then continue to have Taron Johnson and the two corners and the two safeties and Terrell Bernard in there as this back seven. 
The reason why I think this could be the way that they go about this game, there's no Pacheco this week. He was ruled out, which is pretty big because he is their their best runner by a lot. And that's going to put Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even though (laughs) Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a great game against the Bills. I think it was in, what, 2020? Where the Bills dared them to run at uh, in Orchard Park, but it's a downgrade from Pacheco to Edwards Alaire. So because maybe they're not as scared about the run, perhaps they can get away with utilizing this three safety look a lot more often. Because I would, I would favor a Poyer guarding Kelsey situation far better, even if it's in zone where Kelsey's kind of around Poyer's zone. It is a dramatic defense. Even at this point in Poyer's career, it is a dramatic difference between him and, and Tyrell Dodson because Tyrell Dodson falls for play action. And, and like If he senses a run, he's going for it. And that's why teams can can get ahead on them. So for that reason... Would not be shocked if maybe we see a little bit more of this three safety look than than we have uh, just obvious passing downs. So a lot of gamesmanship there. And I don't know if it's one of those things where the Bills can afford to find out if that's going to be the way that, that they need to go. Because if the Chiefs start off strong and all of a sudden Kelsey's popping off for, you know, 80 yards in the first half, you're like, OK, let's make an adjustment. At that point, it, it could already be too far gone against this Chiefs team that boasts a really good defense. And as good as the Bills offense has played, it's going to be a challenge against this Chiefs defense. I don't know if they're going to be necessarily able to turn as many of these drives into touchdowns as maybe they want to. They might have to settle for more field goals than, than they're usually accustomed to the last couple of weeks. And, you know, for the better part of the 2021 and 2022 seasons. but. It's important that they don't fall too far behind, especially with Kansas City, you know, coming off a loss and being at home. It's it's going to be a pretty charged atmosphere. So uh, they uh, they need to have a good plan right away, and not just play catch up and react uh, in the second half. That's very important to this matchup. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
Okay, next up. Uh, Alec writes in, what's your over-under on Josh Allen design runs against Kansas City? Uh, Josh Allen, I think, will continue to be a piece of the puzzle from both an RPO standpoint. Scrambles, I think, are especially important. Testing the limits of, of the Chiefs defense, especially if they're not going to send pressure. And Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, usually tries to pressure Josh Allen one way or another. But if that pressure isn't there, then utilizing those legs will will be a, a big staple of continuing drives and, and pushing them forward. And uh, one of the things that stood out the most from that Eagles game was how dominant Josh Allen was on third down. Like that's that's the that's the type of quarterback that the Bills probably have been waiting to see the entire season. Just that overwhelming sense that even in the face of like a third and 14 or something like that, Allen converted a bunch of those. When the ball was in his hands, whether it be as a as a design run, a scramble, or a passing play, I'd have to go back and, and look at the numbers, but I believe it was around like 14 for 19 on third downs against the Eagles for Josh Allen. It's just ridiculous stuff. And they weren't all gimmies. They weren't all third, third and one, third and two, third and three. There was a lot of third and six plus. There was a handful of third and 10 plus. So that's why the, the run and, and the scrambling and the design runs and keepers and RPOs will be really important for them in this matchup because they've got their hands full with this Chiefs defense. They are good. And even though um, they have suffered a loss in their safety, Brian Cook, uh, they are probably getting linebacker Nick Bolton back this weekend. And that is a uh, an upgrade for them at linebacker. Like they're not going to, they're going to be without Drew Tranquil, but as long as Nick Bolton can play, that's, that's an upgrade for them. So they need, the most they need the the Philadelphia version of Josh Allen to come back to play in Kansas City, and I will say he is a uh, he and the team on the practice field. It's felt really light this week, and I mean that in a good way because it felt really heavy around the practice facilities leading up to the bye week. And it lifted a little bit after their um, after the win ahead of ahead of the Eagles game, but it felt really heavy before that, to the point where they were. You could tell there was a lot of pressure being put on themselves to snap out of whatever they were in, whatever funk they were in. But this week, Allen's running around light and refreshed. He's he's engaging. He's uh, He's definitely, you can tell he's kind of joking around a bit more. And I think that's, as as uh, silly as it sounds, I think that's pretty important to his overall profile as a quarterback. That's that's him, and that's that's what he was and what he is when he's at his best. You could sense that against the Eagles game where he started to get that little more comfort, and you could see it in the body language. The body language this week, for, this, this week, from Josh Allen has been great. So whether or not that translates 
heading into this game. We'll see. But certainly something that I'm sure the Bills are very fond of. And this is even something I asked uh, Stefan Diggs about. I'm like, Did, Have you noticed that Allen is a little bit lighter this week in the last couple of games? And, and he's like, he's like, yeah. Uh, I also alluded to the bye week where everybody should be a little bit lighter because you get to step away from football. And I'm that definitely factors into it. There's some wondering whether or not week 13 is too late, but, you know, it might just be a well-timed thing because having having the first 12 games go the way that they did and being able to hit the reset button a little bit, that's, you can, you can sense it within the building or within the, the practice facilities that a lot of these guys are in better spirits than, than what they were even heading into the Philly game when they were when they were uh, doing a lot better. Even, you know, it's certainly better than what it was in the locker room after the Philly game. I mean, that was a dejected locker room because they felt like they let one get away. But it just overall feels lighter. And I think that that uh, could lend itself to some a little more offensive success than maybe the, the Chiefs have grown accustomed to uh, in their opponents this season. Okay, Zach writes in, does Isaiah Pacheco being out with an injury impact the game day lineup at all, i.e. perhaps a spot for a defensive lineman goes to an extra defensive back? Uh, I don't think it impacts it at all. Um, I think what does impact things is mostly special teams considerations. And I know people kind of roll their eyes about uh, whether or not, um, whether or not, they should utilize these back end special team spots. But uh, I think one of the guys that you should maybe keep in your, keep your eye on on the inactive list this week could be Kingsley Jonathan. Um, He's been their sixth defensive end, but mostly special teams guy. And they've got some pieces coming back. You know, Taylor Rapp is back this week. Dane Jackson is back this week. And they've got all of their linebackers available to them. You know, Quentin Morris can kind of shift back into the third tight end role. Ty Johnson's still around. So there's a lot of special teams bodies there to where I don't know that they necessarily need uh, Kingsley Jonathan. This And don't don't forget, if Dawson Knox plays, that means three tight ends dress. So that's taking away a spot somewhere. And I think Kingsley Jonathan would be like the the right mix of, okay, how much function does he have on defense along with can they get by without him on special teams? And I think the uh, answer is not a ton based on their own utilization and also um, that they can get by because they do have other pieces on the roster. So I think that's that might be the biggest um, game day thing. I don't think Pacheco necessarily uh, dictates whether or not they're going to dress a fifth defensive or fifth safety or something like that. I think that uh, my anticipation is going to be Douglas Benford, um, Jackson, the four safeties, uh, Hyde, Poyer, Rapp, Cam Lewis, uh, Taron Johnson, obviously at nickel, Saran Neal as kind of like a special team slash defensive back, wherever you want to use him. And, and that's going to be their defensive back. So that's my anticipation, but, uh, we shall see when the inactive shake up. Okay, we've got time for one more before I get into the 
predictions. Uh, Jeremy writes in, will this be the in-season Greg Rousseau breakout game? He was pretty close the last game. Uh, He was very good against Philadelphia, constantly impacting plays. And he has had some good performances against Kansas City in the past here. I could definitely, now with, you know, a full two weeks of rest, well, week and a half because they got back to practice on Wednesday. But with a full week and a half of of rest on his injury that was already starting to look better and he started to look more explosive, I would not at all be surprised if if you're on the right track here, Jeremy. Greg Rousseau seems like he's ascending here late in the season. It's just in time because they need something opposite uh, Leonard Floyd, who has been just been outstanding for them this season. But AJ Epinesa, a little bit of a liability in terms of edge contain, and the Eagles exploited it at times in that game, and other teams have exploited it too. Greg Rousseau is kind of more of an all-around guy, even though he doesn't have that super explosive first step that Epinesa can flash every once in a while. So it's important. And they've been using Rousseau a lot at uh, right defensive end lately to allow Leonard Floyd to rush from the left side. So if they can get both of those guys to be able to impact the backfield and, you know, between the two of them, their length alone, along with the edge contain of, of Mahomes, who likes to get out of structure and improvise and get out of the pocket, I think it all kind of lends itself to uh, to Rousseau maybe making a mark in this game. So I, I, that's an interesting question, Jeremy, and uh, I think I think you are definitely on the right track here. All right, let's get to the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour in which the Bills are taking on the Chiefs in this one, obviously. Uh, let me just bring up the, uh, the odds of it. Uh, the Bills are only one-point underdogs. When I checked earlier today, they were one-and-a-half-point underdogs. So uh, that line is going down in favor of the Bills. And the total of the game is 49. I am going to take the Chiefs to win this game. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover. I'm going to take the over. Here's why. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs simply don't lose a second straight regular season game all that often. It's only happened twice since I think 2019. And a game after a regular season game, or I'm sorry, any game after a loss in the regular season, the Chiefs are 14 and two. Like it's just ridiculous stuff. Their offense usually gets going. They average, I believe, 29 points around there. And they uh, they only allow a little over 20 points. So it's a full touchdown plus two point conversion difference between what they what they score and what they allow to the opponent. And that's even without um, just a, a great defense that they've had in past years. And as much as I like the Bills offense to keep things going, something I alluded to earlier, I think they're going to have to settle for a, a few more field goals than they would like to in this game because the Chiefs defense, I think, can, can put a stopper uh, two drives even if yards are being put up to where you know the bills might just have to settle and it's never good to have to settle for field goals against the chiefs because you know it, it's and it's been different this year with this with this chiefs offense 
They haven't been that their same dynamic selves the entire season. And even Kelsey hasn't had a humongous game since I think like week seven. It's always possible with uh, uh, with this Chiefs team and especially with some of the deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills, whether it be their run defense or their intermediate um, pass defense. I think there will be opportunities for guys like Kelsey, Justin Watson, um, Rasheed Rice, who has really come into his own as one of uh, Patrick Mahomes' favorite targets when they actually have him on the field. I think those those trio of guys, those three guys can can really make a difference to uh, the Chiefs overall output this game. And I'm you know, they just lost to the Packers. They were frustrated on offense. I'm expecting somewhat of a big response from from the Chiefs on offense. So that's why I like the Chiefs to win the Chiefs to cover, obviously, since it's only a one point spread. And uh, I'll take the over on the game because, you know, two, you know, burgeoning offenses that should be able to get back on track against each other. All right. That's going to do it for me. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to this live room episode of the Buffalo Beat. Uh, The next time you will hear from me will be after the Chiefs game when the Bills take on uh, and take on the Chiefs on the road. And I'll be uh, in Kansas City taking it all in and to see if the Bills can actually win this one and get to seven and six or they're not. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board and be six and seven with a then almost seemingly must win against Dallas the next week at home. All right, so that'll do it for me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. My name is Joe Pascalia. Thanks for hanging out, and we will talk to you after the game on Sunday. See you then.